Welcome to Season 7. I'm Kirsty Rice and together with Nikki Moffat, we're the Two Fat Expats. We've been expats for over 20 years and we have 12 countries and 6 children between us who've all been born all over the world. We've both worked, mothered, administered and volunteered dealing with all the drama that comes with moving countries again and again and again. Each week on the podcast, we promise to give you the lowdown on expat life. We answer an anonymous question by tracking down the experts and we discuss our favourite finds, our biggest stuff-ups and we get the best tips for packing it all in. Okay, let's do this, Nikki Moffat. You're in Hamburg. I'm in Adelaide, Australia. How are you going over there? Well, Cassie, it's been a thing. It's been a while and it's been a quite a quite an ordeal. <laughs> but today is all good. We're all done. We are done with our IB exams. We're done with our graduation, our mini graduation, and we have just the uh video recorded compilation tape on Friday to watch with all the other graduates and and then that's it we that this whole thing has been such a long time coming 13 years in fact now do you feel because you've done obviously a final year during COVID and graduation and I've seen all the graduation pictures and I saw that the amazing Zeke getting his prize and just how fabulous it all it all seemed. Do you feel slightly gypped or relieved that you didn't have the big palaver? How do you feel about how graduation folded? Unfolded? Yeah, well, it, it's weird. I mean, I feel like it's such a lot of effort. And I mean, they worked the whole grade, two years of incredibly difficult conditions and, you know, not being at school. And like, it was really, really hard. And having like the the way that our school did it was that um, they had two students every 15 minutes in time slots. And so you're allowed into the building for a 15 minute time slot where you and one other family, um, your students were videotaped receiving their diplomas and any prizes that they got. And then had a quick, you know, thank you to the school leaders or whatever and then you whisked out of the building so some then it was wiped down so some other people could come in and it does feel it just feels stunted it just honestly it feels like the whole rest of the the last two years it does it doesn't feel any different like I I do feel that we we are the kids were ripped off uh but you know I mean so are the kids last year they're just in a really difficult position and I just hope you know, by the end of the summer and by the time they start whatever they're doing in the coming year, that that the world goes for them a little bit more back to normal and they can get on with it. I mean, I just, it was so, such a difficult time for everybody. And, you know, leaving school is a big deal and they've all done it in a really weird way, but they're done now. So I guess that they have to, you know, they, the, the class trips and the formals and the, or the proms or whatever, the big graduation ceremony, the parties, really none of that has happened. But they never did it and they didn't see the year before do it. So <laughs> I guess they they don't have that really experience. I mean, the kids last year, I feel really bad for them as well because they'd seen what was the traditional way to go through it with the grade above them. And then they they just had that all cut off. Whereas these guys have just been, they didn't even see it the year before, like both years have missed out. So 
it is what it is. But, you know, it's something to remember, I guess. <laughs> It'll always be, remember that time we graduated when it was COVID? <laughs> That's right. Like, it's it's so historic. It's like I can remember where I grew up in Remark, there was a flood in 1956 and everybody talks about year of the flood. Like if you play bingo and 56 comes up, well, that's year of the flood, 56. Um, And my dad was at school and that was kind of his, his, I guess, one of his more interesting stories about school life was that he had to go to a different school and they had to catch the bus and go to Glossop because, um, you know, the school was flooded out and they had to wait till it could all be repaired and ready again. And I guess our kids are all going to have share their COVID stories. You know, I look at kids in other countries and I look at, you know, this year in Australia, obviously, I just look like someone's, maybe it was one of your children's Instagram, they're at a concert the other night and they were just like jumping up and down and, and, and yelling and singing. And I'm thinking, oh, look at all those people so close together. <laughs> I, I really oh, still yeah. have I, that feeling. I have it at, yeah. Yes, yes. And I remember that because, and it's like we did it the opposite way around because I remember looking at America like that. Do you know when COVID yes. first happened yeah. and the Americans all went on spring break? Yes. <laughs> and and we were in lockdown in Australia. And I remember looking at them all on beaches going, oh, that just makes me feel ill, like watching you all sort of shoulder to shoulder at, at the beach. And, yet yeah, now here I am going to the football with 40,000 others. Although I didn't go to the football on I Sunday. I had to yes. say that that was, um, I saw your post of I can't go to the football today and I was going to call you and say, what's wrong? What's wrong? Yes. Are you having a leg amputated? <laughs> when was the last time you missed a Port Adelaide home game? I don't, I don't Absolutely. <laughs> Never. Um, yeah, and it was COVID related. What it was was, the week before we had played, our football team had played, I say we have played like I was the full forward. Um, we had played in Melbourne and there, of course, had been an outbreak in Melbourne. So anyone who went to the game, and there were about 5,000 people from my city who went to that city uh, on that weekend and all sort of flew back. And the deal was everybody had to go and have a COVID test on day one, day three, day five, I think then it goes to day 11 maybe. Um, but I I just had that in the back of, the, of my mind. And um, while there has been zero cases have, have come up from it, um, it's so there's still – I just had a look actually before we came on. So now we're – what are we? I guess we're seven days later aren't we we'll remind that yeah and it's still zero cases here and you can see the testing clinics are chock-a-block like on that on that monday there was a they basically opened up the testing clinics for 24 like changed it to 24-hour testing clinics because everybody was there waiting for three hours in a line to go and get tested um anyway i just i am looking after my mum every you know for yep. a couple of days every week and that involves driving up to the country she's 76 and she's had her first vaccination she gets her second one next month but i just thought oh, there's just what if do you know like just you would never ever forgive yourself if you if something happened but 
I digress, Nikki, because this is not a football podcast. This oh, what? is an no, expert. <laughs> And so I'm going to jump into our questions. We won't do four today because our first question is a bit of a hot topic. And um, I threw this question up in our Two Fat Expats group and I thought, oh, I need to come over and talk to Nikki about this because this is obviously one that people talk about quite a bit. Uh, Nikki, the question I asked was how do we make international schools more accountable? And what I meant by that is that with the high turnover of staff and students at many international schools, we often aren't there to sort of see the long-term effects of our actions. You know, I think of I've been involved in an international school in Libya. I've been involved in an international school in Canada. Um, And, and, you know, within that you make decisions whether you're on the board or you're involved with the parent teachers or you do whatever. Um, And then you take off and you never sort of really see how things... um, pan out so I guess when I talk about how do you make them more accountable I don't just mean academics I mean lots of other things and and I'm sure many people have arrived at a new school to discover that they're either miles ahead or miles behind and I did put a spoiler alert in to let everyone know that that all does work out in the end. We don't need to be worried about that. But what I was looking for was the answer was. <laughs> but at the time, it's yeah, very the time important. it's so important when you're in grade three and you're on the first <laughs> reader and everybody else is on the fourth reader. And what have I done to my child, my very first child, who I've got no idea what I'm doing? Anyway, how do you measure the success of your international school? Um, Nikki, how do you measure the success of your international school? Well, I, I think it's really hard because it also depends on the type of children that you have. Yes. So the success of the international school or any school for one child could be totally different to this, how you measure the success of the school for another child mm-hmm. because it really, really depends. It depends on the child and then it depends on how the school supports that child. And I don't mean just because I do have a child, uh, well, I don't anymore, uh, that utilises the learning support organisations within a school and and any sort of structure of support and and assistance. And that's, you know, my oldest child. But my my, um, daughter doesn't use any of those. She's just a regular vanilla student. But I would look at different things for the school for her, whether I measure it as successful or not. So uh, for starters, I think it depends on your children. And, you know, it, it really, you know, you might choose a school because it's better for one of your children, but it doesn't mean it's a perfect school for all of them. So I think that that's something to keep in mind as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are things overall for the school, um, you know, whether the schools are profit or not for profit schools, that's whether they're academically selective or inclusive. And of course, there is such a thing as a Council of International Schools that does regular inspections to make sure because you know all these international schools run different kinds of programs you know some of them run IB some of them run British system some of them run the American system some of them run both the systems you know how do you know they're doing them effectively who knows I mean I guess they have the relevant certifications of that I mean my daughter has recently been involved in the recertification of the school 
I think, for the Council of International Schools. And so she was involved in several interviews with the, with the assessors who were coming, obviously via Zoom because we live in COVID times, uh, at, where, you know, they came and, and were able to ask questions and the students were able to ask questions to them, like, you know, what should my school be doing for this or that? And so it was like quite interesting like there is a process and it does exist yeah I mean I I guess it really just depends just on that I thought it was really interesting one of our members in the group said that international school accreditation bodies are businesses whose business it is to keep schools in business which is something I'd never thought about like she was saying you know there are schools that pay to be accredited um and she also, and I, I know the, the person involved is a teacher herself, so she said, so places that lock all the students in the gym until their parents turn up and pay outstanding fees, I'm not joking, this happened, can still get to be accredited because they pay for it. But I think, now I should say, when that comment was put in the group, there were many people who jumped in to discuss why they didn't feel that that was correct. But I had never thought about, well, who... Yeah, why does the uh, Council of International Schools exist? Like, how did it come to be? Who, how did they survive? You know, how does that work? I've never, ever looked into that or or wondered about it. You? Yeah, no, not. But I think sort of when we've discussed this before and, and when we had sort of, um, and also in the group, the thing that, that comes to mind for me, because I've I've had the same conversation, because you've said to me before, you know, these teachers come and they, and they, do their plans and they're trying to make their mark and all that kind of stuff and how do you you know and then they leave because they get a better job based on this amazing new program that they've implemented mm. and then left behind mm. and who knows whether that gets carried on where you know are they changing the curriculum every few years and what I and then I discussed that with a friend I have here who is the actually the on our school board and she said well it's all about the strategic plan for the school so the five-year plan yes. so even though these teachers come and, and put these great new projects and things in place it all has to be in line with the way the school has decided on their strategic planning yes. and because I've been at the school for five years here I've been through a strategic plan process and it is reasonably um um detailed yes. and uh comprehensive and involves all sorts of you know students from all grades teachers parents administrators community members even you know what do you want for the school oh, etc so I, I have seen the strategic plan be put in place and i I have been, my fears were allayed when I was thinking, yeah, Kirsty's got a really good point there. But I just, she made me feel better. (laughs) You are bang on, Nikki. And I think that is the thing that we should be saying to people. Ask to see their strategic plan. Because uh, I happen to be married to someone who's right into strategy and planning. That might be their thing. (laughs) And I can remember him going to a, a school in the past that we were involved in and coming home and saying they have their strategic plan is shocking they have no strategic plan and he said you know it's all about growth 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 but nobody's really thought about what that growth is going to look like and that is exactly what has happened at this school like it did it grew and grew and grew but the strategic plan wasn't in place of how how the school was going to support that and what they were going to do and now there's all sorts of issues because they got too big too fast and um then when all of that was happened I I didn't think to myself oh we should probably should have asked to see their strategic plan another point that was made by an educator was that 
she said that when she's talking to parents who are unhappy with the school their kids are at, she said she always tells them that they need to start by figuring out if they're unhappy and she used football as an example. So, so she said, and obviously football is not the thing, but this is just the example to work by, that you need to start figuring out if you're unhappy because the school teaches football and you think swimming is better or are you unhappy because the school said they'd teach football but they're actually teaching swimming or did they say they'd teach football and are just doing a terrible job at teaching football and they're all problems but they all likely have very different solutions I thought that was yeah brilliant. that is yeah so true I think so often when you're choosing an international school too it comes down to the surroundings and your lifestyle at the time as well. I chose a school in Qatar probably more so because of its facilities than its academics. And that was because I knew I was living in the Middle East where it was going to be 45 degrees for about nine months of the year. And I was going to need to be at a school that had those activities and those facilities that made life a bearable and a happy place to be right and so when I walked into that particular school I could see you know that they had two swimming pools and they had you know three massive gyms and they had fantastic after school activities that ran all year that were you know good fun that you could work things out you know sort of big you know you would survive and thrive within these buildings and that for me worked because I had little children. Do you know, I wanted them to do the indoor hockey and the swimming and the gym and the, you know, the, all those fun things. Yeah. Now, that may have changed completely once I'd got them to where they were bigger and they probably weren't going to, you know, they, by the time your children are in high school, they're not going to after school paper, paper mache making and they're not, you know, wanting to, <laughs> what? and they're not wanting to play in the playground. Do you... <laughs> yeah. But then you don't, if you're there for eight years, you don't change schools yes. because you're going to leave the country at some stage and they're yes. going to have to change schools. So there is no perfect school for any perfect child. I mean, when I posted, and I am very proud of my son, and when I posted that he had won the theatre prize, someone wrote to me and said, wow, you guys just found the perfect school at the perfect time. And and I thought, well, we just went to the only school we could at the time, and it just turned out all right. You know, like it could have been that that was true, but it, it just, I really thought about that comment that someone made to me that you found the perfect school at the perfect time but you know what he found Mm. the perfect teachers you know because for for that for nurturing him in that side of things but he but but the school wasn't perfect on other levels it just for that particular reason and that particular situation it was great so you know and also it depends on the cohort of of in your child's grade you know because if if there is personality issues and there is a gang or there is something going on you know the school could be amazing and they could have all sorts of anti-bullying and blah 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 but your kid can be desperately unhappy and that's that's not the school's fault you know <laughs> it's just it's just a, a a set of circumstances that has conspired to make this particular situation happen i mean you know there are all sorts of things that parents love to blame schools mm. for and i say that 
generically but but I also say yeah. because I've done it in the past oh the bloody school this and that and the other and then when I sit back and really think about it and try and be dispassionate I think well no you know yeah. it's a combination of a lot of things sure everyone can always do better but the school and the parents and the child and the situation but you know in general I think schools mostly particularly non-profit schools because they they do have a different focus are doing the best job they can with the with the tools that they have and that's why if you're in an international school or if you're in a school where a private school where you're able to be involved in strategic planning or in recruitment of the heads of school process all that kind of stuff do it like just do it because then at least afterwards you will know whether you feel that the process was right, that you did, that you were involved. You can't always influence the process, but you can have an opinion on what actually happened and you participated in it. You know, if you have the opportunity to be, it doesn't mean you don't have to be on the PTA and you don't have to be at the school every morning and you don't have to be hanging out, but there are other ways that you can actually be involved um, in the school to, to feel because it's also very easy to comment mm. on the school and the processes yes. if you're not never ever involved. But once you've got a tiny bit of skin in the game, you feel a little bit protective of that tiny yes. little bit of thing that you were involved in. So either you influenced it and you feel good about that or you really got issues and that's outrageous and then you try and maybe change it. You know, like you don't just, it, it's it's just a little bit of involvement can go a long way into how you feel about the school and then your efforts mm. for, you know, Back to your point on... Um, uh, the cohort, uh, someone else made the point of making sure you understand how a school integrates their kids. And I think that is one of the hugest things for expat kids is I think it's really easy for a lot of schools to say, oh, well, you know, we have a buddy system and, you know, and we're all new here and, you know, so it works like this. But really push on how. I You know, I've, I've had a, a couple of times where kids have been a new kid at school and I have assumed that it would have been a really lovely warm fuzzy day because they were new and it was an international school and no they didn't they were forgotten do you know that it was busy maybe they came just at the wrong time on the wrong day when someone wasn't really thinking about the new kid that day and they weren't integrated well into the school um or you know, they they didn't end up in the right math class or they didn't end up in the right place for them or they should have never have done, you know, that camp that quickly or whatever. There's a lot of things. So I think you need to you know, to really push about how how they do take on new kids and what the process is for taking on new kids to even just be an advocate for your child so that you can say, oh, that's not going to work or, you know, I think this would be a great idea. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, that's even more important for older kids. Yeah. Because younger kids, teachers are more involved. Yes. Teachers are looking out for them. Teachers are like, oh, you're new, you know, what's your name? What class should you be in if you see a kid in the hallway just sort of wandering yes. around? But once you have a teenager or in a senior school situation, 
those kids can get lost so much more easily. Mm. You know, you can have a buddy, but your buddy's not going to be in every class. So, you know, what if you see a Salentine in the hallway? I mean, you know, and they're probably just scared out of their mind, but best to have a sullen face in case someone talks to them. You know, like, and, and I mean, I have been at our school a lot to say, so what do you do in the high school? And they say, oh, well, they don't like, you know, these classes of, um, you know, because in the junior school and the middle school, they have, you know, for the first few weeks, all the new kids get together with the school counsellor and they talk about, you know, how they're feeling and how it's going and what questions they have. Mm. But in high school, they don't do that. I tend to just check in on them individually. I'm like, why? You know, like yes. put them in a group. Yeah. No, they don't like groups. I'm like, yeah, but you, you're they could be so isolated and you're just yeah. letting them become more isolated yeah. in that way. Yeah. I'm not a school counsellor. I have no education <laughs> qualifications. <laughs> but I just think that, that you know, like that's one of the, the concerns I have about our school. I love our counsellors and I love the process and everything, but it's one thing every year when, the, when they're like in the new parent sessions, has anyone got questions? I always ask it, even though I'm not a new parent. And I know that everyone, <laughs> all the counsellors roll their eyes. And I'm like, so how do you integrate to the high schoolers? Yeah. Uh, but, but I just think it's worth asking because if that gets a parent of a high schooler to think oh I'll just check up with the counsellor in a couple of weeks or something then and they haven't thought about that then then I'm happy yes. that I've done that yeah I, Nikki I I never ever had thought about this until I had the child who was all on their own at lunchtime and spending their time just standing around by their locker of why it's so important that schools have clubs and that they have those activities that happen at lunchtime in high school and, you know, middle school. And, I, you know, when you have those moments where you go, how have I never realised this, that this is what these clubs are about? They're a haven for kids that don't have a bestie, do you know, that really don't yeah. know what to do with themselves because everybody else is kicking the footy and you don't know how to kick the footy. And so you're just going to stand there by your locker until and then maybe go for a walk and then maybe, you know, go to the loo and then maybe wander by the library. Yeah, yeah they're the kids, yeah, that they need. And and I think they're the questions you should ask, aren't they? So what do you do? If my child doesn't find the best friend here, what's your strategy? How do you how does the school handle that? What do you do? Yeah, because high schools aren't gonna sit on the friendship. No. Bench. You're right <laughs> on the friendship. <laughs> No, they're going to burn that friendship bench down. That's right. That's right. No, look, I mean, so schools, when we say accountable, I mean, there are obviously specific ways, but there are so many ways that you interact with a school and it's dependent on just so many things. So what's a good school for one family or one kid can be a terrible school for another family or mm. another kid. Mm. So it just really, it's a process. Yes. My last little <laughs> niggle that I'll have is I, I remember a certain child of mine who got to middle school math. She'd been allocated to be in the uh, top class, the higher level math. She got in the higher level math. She it just about killed her and killed her in every way like stress and self-esteem and homework and whatever anyway so we got sent off to go and see uh the new counselor who who told us that oh you know i'm just really sorry there are there are just very obvious gaps in your daughter's education and i said well she's been at this school her entire life so <laughs> I'm not sure 
how we how we handle that and she had been placed in the in the advanced math by that school you know in elementary school and that's when it occurred to me do you know you can mess with an expat parent's head easily with that excuse because <laughs> there are gaps, there in, are your gaps in your child's education. education because if you have been from a to b to c to d that's such an easy thing to say isn't it and and you automatically it would go yeah oh that's the time you know that would be those two years you know that we were in balik papan i i knew that we weren't you know doing the right thing um but this child had been at this particular school the whole time. And so cheeky, cheeky teacher, cheeky. cheeky. So obviously when I, like you said, Nikki, when we say accountable, we're not probably really thinking about academics because I do believe it does all work out in the end that if you find you're behind in math, there are tutors, there are people, there are always ways to fix this, you know, it will not be the end of the end. But, yeah, for me, the accountability is the, okay, you've you've switched how we're going to learn this or we've changed how we're doing that or, um, yeah, I'm not going to be here next year, so who cares, <laughs> that sort of thing. But I think, yeah, I think just to go back, so I think if we stick to those two of what um, I think two really good points that were made of yours, Nikki, was about the... the strategic plan and and asking people about their strategic plan and asking people about how they integrate kids into the school so i think i think both of those are valid questions to go for when you're going to look at your next expat school okay Cassie. well that was a really big very serious important discussion so I'm going to have a very big, important question to you now so I can be equal to your question. My question to you, Kirsty, is what's the most boring or cliche expat question you get asked? So where was your favourite place that you lived? Where was your favourite place? What was your favourite, though, out of all of them? That would have to be number one for everyone, wouldn't it? Yeah, and we're done. I mean, there there can't be another one. I mean, it is honestly, you know, how would you? How did you live there? How did that work? I've mm. heard oh, yeah, that's the best one. For that's the that's got to be the next the one. one. That that comes yeah, straight up. The best after. one for the Middle East is. But how was that as a woman? As a woman, how was that? You know, or did you did you have to wear a burqa? Um, yeah, that's always that's always in there. <laughs> Yeah, so I just think, how, what's your favourite country to live in? And I've uh, heard uh, they're, they're the two best ones. So, so dear Fatarati who are listening to us, um, please feel free to send in your best, ex, most yes, ex, cliche, uh, cliche questions. And we'd love to share them and we'll put something in the Instagram as well once the po- podcast goes live. And so we can share your best, most hated expat cliche questions but yes we're rating right up there what's your favorite country no but what's really your favorite place no but i know you can say you like them all but you must have a favorite like you must like you must have a favorite child the other one of oh i could never do that i could never take my i could never take my children away from their grandparents like they just love them too much and you just want to say well we're lucky (laughs) Uh, my parents don't love our kids at all. So, <laughs> oh, that's awesome! 
God, I wish I had little kids still because that is an awesome one. We're lucky our parents don't love our kids so much. That is so good because that's, yeah, it's not a question, but it's the best statement that people say to you. I could never do that because I could never take my children away from their grandparents. Yeah, that has got to be, that ranks right up there too. Well done, Kirsty. Okay, good bold, state- <laughs> nailed bold statement of the week, Nikki Moffat. I, I, I've landed this on you, but also I'll throw mine out there first so you can have a thought of what your bold statement for the week may be. Nikki, I passed my wine course exam. Oh my God, that is so, so exciting because immediately you came out of it, you started studying in case I was you had so to sure I again. was studying it again. I was so, so sure I'd failed. And I know everybody says that and I can't stand it when people say, oh, I really think I've failed and then they do really well. I really, really did think I had failed uh, to the point that I was in tears on the phone to my sister saying, I've failed, I've totally stuffed that up. It's all my own fault. I didn't spend enough time. I can't believe I've done that. Anyway, so I passed and I passed with a merit. So now, of course, I've uh, kind of like when you have children and you go through all that pain and whatever, and then you immediately say, I'm going to have another one. I'm now thinking I'm going to sit the next grade up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all this study you've been doing. Yes. It's going to be uh, So that's my other thing. I think I will look into enrolling. My bold statement is I will look into enro- enrolling to the WESET uh, Certificate 3. And, Nikki, I'm wanting to buy a rowing machine. That's my other one. Yes, I know. What? I think the rowing machine may be the perfect thing for me. And I'll tell you why. No, it's bo- it, it well, it's boring. I'm waiting. But, um, so I won't bore everyone for too long. But between the the dog walking is not exercise, right? And the dog walking has to be done every day. But it doesn't really feel like exercise. But it's a fair whack of time that you then lose, right? That you yes, it, within a day. And so I, I'm wanting to find something that I can do other things while I'm doing it. That is inside, so it's not weather dependent. That is maybe a little bit meditative and that looks after all parts of the body. Hang on. What else can you do while you're rowing? You can watch things things and read things and do things like that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Does that take away from the meditative nature? Well, some days it'll be meditative. Some days it won't. (laughs) I would really like to get be one of those people that, and I'm just saying this going, I'm not one of those people, but wouldn't it be great to be one of those people that you got up at a certain time and you rode for 45 minutes? Kirsty, we're on video (laughs) chat now. Can you see me? Can you see me on the video chat, Kirsty? Can you see what's like right behind me in my study it takes up all the room yes the peloton yes it's not mine i didn't buy it it's not it's not purchased for me but i you know like hello it's not meditative it's a pain in the ass (laughs) put my shoes on i'd rather go out the front door yes but yes but no no i support you kirsty in what you decide and what you do and i look forward to it and then maybe i'll you know put a rowing machine next to the peloton if rowing if you think rowing is is the answer but i have to say i was speaking with well yeah with my therapist this week and (laughs) they reiterated to me the importance of 30 minutes uh a day of exercise is is 
known to be the one of the best things in alleviating depression or feelings mm. of, you know, the, the bad feelings that you get yeah. that flood through your head. So um, that it, that is going to be my first part of my bold statement is 30 minutes a day away from everybody else. It's a good thing she said, you just can't be with anybody else. I was like, that is awesome. I like that. Oh, so you, but you can't even um, walk with your friends? No, you can walk with your friend. No, no. My, mine is mine is family related. So, like, I have to get away from everybody in my yes. family. Um, and so I know actually my husband will be listening to this because he loves to listen and send us his comments. So <laughs> I had just, just telling him that's what my therapist said. And so, yeah, so, but you can be with your friends. But, yeah, yeah, at the moment you can even be with your friends here outside for half an hour. And the other thing is, is that we are starting the pack and the and the the sorting so my other bold statement for this week will be to sort my wardrobe out so i that's a good um, one you know there are clothes i haven't worn for five years because it's clothes i haven't worn for 20 years in there and you've been (laughs) appalled by that before so i'm going to make the the big cut really are you really uh, like i we're talking how many how many countries have you dragged those clothes to for 20 years oh all of them i mean i've got clothes from australia that i last wore to a a formal (laughs) ball I think oh, I'll just go, don't I don't recall the next time I'm going to be at a ball. Oh, it's so funny this week. I've got a friend here. I mean, hamburgers really low key. Uh, you know, I mean, I haven't worn heels for five years. I live at the top of a hundred stairs, but you know, like really, I mean, I got out these sort of big blocky my new gold shoes for graduation. Oh, I like those boots too. And they, I think they're the highest. Uh, they're very good shoes but I think that they're the highest heels I've worn for five years and so I have a friend here who's moving Uh to Singapore (laughs) and I've you know I've I've got some Singapore friends on uh, Instagram and some people I follow or whatever and I sent her a photo the other day of three very dressed up ladies very glamorous looking ladies having lunch together I said oh here look this is what you're gonna look like in Singapore when you have lunch with your friends. She said, oh, no, no, they're in lockdown. I said, no, sweetheart, this is lockdown. This lunch is catered by a restaurant. And <laughs> you are with full full makeup and whatever. I mean, I haven't put makeup on for a year since lockdown because I, I mean, except right. to go to graduation. That was like my biggest day ever uh, so for 15 minutes with the teachers. Yeah, look, I just think, um, yeah, so the wardrobe is going to have a real a real good going through, Kirsty. Okay. Sort it out. All right, I'm holding you to that. We're putting that putting that down in the show notes <laughs> that you will be doing a clear out, a declutter yes. of your wardrobe. Favourite things. Favourite things. Nikki, have you seen Fisk on the ABC with Kitty Flanagan? You did tell me to watch it, and I did watch a few episodes of it, and it is very, very funny. Oh, I so really good. enjoyed it. And I wonder, is it because I'm a 50-year-old woman that I liked it yeah like I, I was just wondering what is it that really appealed to me about it like uh, what is the appeal yeah the appeal for me was that it is full of really ordinary looking people in the same way that I guess <laughs> that's me <laughs> uh, in the same way that we loved um afterlife with Ricky Gervais is that mm. it's it's full of Ordinary people having ordinary conversations that are slightly quirky, where nobody's glamorous, there's no Botox, there's no 
oh god you know how much would that coat have cost do you know there's a total escape from the usual stuff that we see on the telly but yes i i mean i love kitty flanagan i've watched her on many different things as a comedian and i really like marty shergold shergold i have i listened to him on the radio for a long time and so when he wasn't on the radio this year for a little while and I was thinking, oh, and I realised now it's because he was doing Fisk with Kitty Flanagan. There is also a great, if you do end up watching Fisk, it's on uh, the Australian Broadcasting, the Australian ABC. And uh, so you can watch it on ABC iView. But there's also a great interview with Kitty Flanagan on Richard Feidler's conversation that kind of does a bit more of a dive into um, Kitty. But I'm not going to say it's a deep dive at all because I really feel that she mastered doing the one-on-one convo without really giving you too much of her. Do you know, like she... Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So... I understand that she grew up in Sydney. I understand that she took off to Perth, that she worked in a factory, that she then went on to do stand-up, whatever, whatever. But you don't, she doesn't tell you about the heartaches and the down, down moments or any of that. It all stays quite light and um, there's just not too much there. So that's one of them is Fisk. The other one, Nikki, is the Friends reunion I wanted to talk about with you. Have you watched it? Oh, Kirsty, how could I not? So where did you originally watch Friends? Yeah, I want to say it finished in 2004, right? So mm-hmm. I um, watched it, uh, I started in Australia and then I finished it via DVD in Hong Kong. That's where I was. Yeah. Do you know, I don't, I don't even know where I was for that last episode. I would have been, I would have just moved to... Canada so I'm thinking I must have watched it sort of in real time there but yeah we had we used to get and they weren't DVDs I reckon they were CVDs where you got the the two little ones they were before the DVDs and you'd go to a certain place and I saw someone mention it in in our two fat expats group that they went to Kim Checks in Jakarta everyone in Jakarta knows where Kim Checks is but we used to go to a department store in Jakarta and go and get them Um, and we'd have friends nights you know with our new expat friends and our babies and things and sit and watch it and it really did get us through but I think I'm wondering Nikki is friends the ultimate uh, expat telly conversation in that people have watched it in hotel rooms and places all around the world Um, you know I had another girlfriend who wrote about how her friend in Qatar said that I can remember they'd go to the DVD store when there was a new or the video store when there was a new release out and that how exciting it was to get there and get that release in Qatar and that, you know, they'd all go home and watch it. Like it's just the whole juggernaut of friends and the fact that now our children are watching it. Yes. You know, my daughter's watched the whole, you know, thing. And so it's, you know, but she has all the comments. Well, there's a lot of white people here. There's some fat shaming. There's some oh, gay totally. shaming. You know, like there's all this stuff going on. I'm not sure it ages very well. I'm like, so why are you watching 10 seasons if it's not aging yes. very well? <laughs> like, why have you? I mean, there must be something yeah. in it there for yeah. you. So, yeah, I look, I really, I mean, I watched it because who, who wouldn't watch it? I mean, you watch Friends, so you have to watch the Friends. Really. Yes, I did. I did it feel it jump the shark a couple of times. I don't, 
Yeah, I oh, didn't I need mean... the fashion parade. I do not understand why Justin Bieber did that to himself. What was going on there? I mean, I, I don't really understand, but someone was saying, I think I was listening on another podcast, that it's $2 billion a year or whatever, the franchise that they have, that that's how much money yes. is earned by the the actual the franchising yes. of it globally. And so they had, they had all this money to, to throw around so they could fly Justin Bieber in for not a non-speaking role for, for two minutes to walk on and a dress as a potato. Because what else are they <laughs> what else are they going to do? I mean, like, you know, I just really, the whole thing, I mean, it jumped the shark, but yeah, of course, I mean, of course it did. But I also thought there was a lot of yeah. crying. Like there was a lot of crying. I mean, they're actors, yeah. come on. They can not die. They did seem to genuinely like each other, though, and genuinely feel, which was lovely. But like you said, actors, who would know? But then if if we think that, we can't think. We have to think that about every actor, don't we? So that's not fair. That's not fair, Meghan Markle. No, I mean, and, you know, I guess it's whether they're genuine people or not. Like, I mean, who knows? But I look... I liked the show. I watched yeah. it. Anyway, I I just thought, you know, it was just one of those things. And, and as they, they don't have to do another show. So mm. there is no, you know, Sex in the City, yeah. uh, you know, movie five coming well, out. That's it. Them. Maybe so, it just was the full uh, yeah, stop I, because I definitely don't feel I need to see them do it again. And I think they covered yeah. off why it's not, why there will be no catch up, no friends to, no whatever. Yep. So maybe it was just the perfect full stop to stop asking us. The other thing could be that I did think about that when I was watching. I thought, well, but there could be another show in the same coffee shop mm. about a new group of friends. And they could be much more sort of diverse, yeah. you know, and, and include all the people that you would include in a, in a yeah. show today. And then those guys could have cameos, no. you know, like, you know, maybe one night Phoebe could be singing and, you know, they like, what, who is this yeah. lame one? You know, that kind of, like I was just thinking that's where they could yes. go next. If the Friends producers need any uh, tips, I'm available. No, I no, think so, But I was just thinking that, yeah, no, there, there would never be another yeah. Friends thing. Yes. All right. Anyway. And my okay, last thing <laughs> is, is Apple Podcasts has updated, like they've had a revamp, and it's shocking. A lot of people aren't happy. It's not just me. <laughs> yes. No, Have you? I haven't seen anyone comment. Oh, my God, it's <laughs> terrible. And the, the most annoying thing I find is you can't actually see now how long episodes are of things. And, you know, so much you what? can, you have to click into it and click onto it to see so for me now a lot of the podcasts I listen to now and I guess this is this has made me realize how my listening to podcasts has changed is you know a lot of people have got very clever at breaking up their podcasts into the one thing I used to listen to for an hour and is now broken up into five different things with five different headings so that I can hear the bit I want to hear but now I can no longer see how long each one of those things is. So I am I would say to myself, okay, well, I've just got 30 minutes. I'll listen to that. I'm just doing a quick run. I'll just listen to that for 10 minutes or I'm just doing that. But I can't do that anymore. Anyway, I have basically stopped listening via Apple Podcasts because of that. So I'm back to Pocket Cast, but it's still not... It's still not perfect for me either. Um, 
Podcast addict. It's my thing. Okay. Thank you for that. Well, I, I mean, I've always used it. I, I don't know right. whether it will suit you, but I've always used Podcast Addict and I, I've i never had, felt the need to change. Excellent. I quite enjoy it. And so um, that's what I use and I enjoy it. That's my recommendation. But, you know, a lot of Android users do use it. But if, if Apple might change back again, because I mean, have I have read a lot of pushback okay. on the Apple All changes. Right. Yeah. Okay, Nikki, tell me your three favorite things. My three favorite things. Now, we did this because it's been so long since we did it. But I want to say I listened to a show. It's an Australian podcast called Behind the Podcast. And it is um, about – it's an Australian podcast review show. And I first listened to it because um, Eliza Ratliff, who's the head of podcasts at Mamma Mia, was on there talking about the Uh Mamma Mia membership model. And so I went to listen to – like when they launched that. So I went to listen to her talk about that. But – they they do lots of different podcasts. Now, because I listened to that, I subscribed to it and it was in my feed. And then recently, this week, I listened to one called, well, it was called Behind the Podcast, but the show was Bird's Eye View. Now, if you're in Australia, you probably know about it. Um, it won lots of awards Look. last year. Anyway, I was listening to this Behind the Podcast about it and I couldn't I was so torn between immediately stopping it and going and listening to the podcast and wanting to hear the rest of what this woman was saying about it. It was just I haven't so amazing. To it. What what is Bird's Eye View? Okay, so Bird's Eye View. So it it is basically, and I'm going to reduce it to its lowest common denominator, and it's it's not this at all. But basically, it's it's a podcast done. The the executive producer did a series yes. like The Moth, which is storytelling, as you know, and she got some funding to go into the women's prison in Darwin in the Northern Tem- Territory and do a similar project of storytelling with wow. First Nations uh, women in Australia. And she talked about how like they came up with that idea and then that was never going to work because you can't just have all these people you don't know and have no trust with in a prison just fronting up and telling their story. And so it was about how the whole project evolved and how they went into it and what she compared and how these people didn't know what a podcast was because some of them had been in prison a long time and then some of them were just living in in lives that just podcasts weren't like a thing in their life. And so then she had to introduce them to podcasts and how she chose a podcast to introduce them to. And one of them that she she showed them was Ear Hustle, which is, of course, the um, podcast done in the US Uh. in an American in an American men's prison so so she sort of said this is kind of the idea but it's not exactly how we're going to do it and it is the most amazing podcast I was blown away I'm, I'm not finished through the whole thing yet and I'm really really enjoying it but apparently it won lots of podcast awards in Australia last year and it's it's just this woman has done this amazing thing where she has gone to go to now the women's prison in Darwin is inside a man's prison. So it's like a subsection inside the prison. So that they're living this sort of in this sub area of this larger environment. And it's so, I mean, it's hard, but the stories are heartbreaking, but it's just so interesting because I, I really, I just learned really a lot listening to it, but also just hearing different kinds of voices. And I, I'm always looking for an Australian podcast because I'm not in Australia and that I'm interested in and that, that teaches me something and I'm learning something new. And 
And this definitely was something that I really enjoyed. So it's called Bird's Eye View. And she talks about how they came up with a name and how the birds are a feature in the prison. And yeah, no, good one. I would listen to Behind the Podcast episode as well on it because I think it's a really good background (sighs) on how it all formed. Like it makes you really pumped up and Uh, going to listen to it. So yes. That's what I would do. Um, and then, so that was my first one. The second one is, oh, Handmaid's Tale is back. Handmaid's Tale is back. Yay. So uh, I don't, I think you're not a Handmaid's Tale watcher. Is that right? No. Oh, they lost me. After episode, after series one, I think I made it halfway through series two. And then the first episode of series three, I was like, no. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, yeah. I mean, we're living in a post-apocalyptic world now so it's 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 all good but yeah yeah, no it's back I think that's it I find I find it too hard I find it too hard my sister has a mantra at the moment what is it this is this is simple this is this is simple this is something this is fun and I think I've had to cut a lot of those things out of my life because I'm st- I'm still walking around going, this is simple, this is easy, yeah, yeah. this is no, fun. no, I <laughs> this is simple. This <laughs> I totally understand, but I really enjoy it, and I wasn't sure, but I'm back into it now. It's sort of five, six episodes in, but what I wanted to talk about is that there it's a podcast. So I went and listened to a series of podcasts about the shows and the one that I enjoy the most Ah. is the Australian one by SBS called Eyes on Gilead and of the podcast about the episodes that's the one I enjoy the most so just if anyone enjoys Hamad's Tale and is looking for a podcast that is my favorite podcast Eyes on Gilead so I'll put that in the show notes and the last yeah. and yeah. I should say I do I do plan on returning to Handmaid's Tale <laughs> no rush just when I'm just when life is a little yeah. easier um <laughs> just when I'm not when I'm not in my mantra okay yeah and the third one so you know I can't be serious all the time so I watched a show on HBO Max I think it's on Stan in Australia called Made for Love and it's oh. not a reality TV show it is actually a TV show and it's 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 my trash TV contribution so there's a place called the Cube there's a millionaire tech guy who lives in the Cube it's like a simulation of a perfect world as he sees it and Uh he's looking for love so he meets a girl and it takes you sort of a few episodes to work out how they met how it all works out because it starts with them sort of being together living this perfect in inverted commas life in this cube and the first episode is her sort of escaping back to her old life where she catches up with her dad who's Ray Romano who's partnered up with a blow-up doll like that's his current life partner and it just sort of gets weirder from there but also funny and also really good like it's it's I think it's six or eight episodes and it's just you know it's funny it's crazy it's a bit out there if you want a bit of an escape from the real world that's my recommendation and and if you've been if you've seen it you've seen it it's been around for a while now but I just popped it in here so there oh, you lovely. go. Now okay. we're all caught up. We are all caught up after a big, big break. But I think I think the fog is lifting and we will be back to more regular yes. eps from Yes, here we've had we quite a difficult time. <laughs> yes. So I've had open heart surgery with my mother and a drive to the country <laughs> once a week for a few days and um, 
there was there was a period of time where I spent about eight days in uh, intensive care with mum, and yes. she was in hospital for another twenty eight. And Nikki, you have been head down bum up with Zeke getting through the end of yep the IBS school and Correct. work and moving and husband leaving the country, etc. But we are getting back to some sense of normal now, aren't we? Yes, we are. So we'd like to do the podcast, and we would like to say because we got our little email this week about where we are in all the charts and Kirsty because we haven't been dropping episodes <laughs> our charts are just gone so if you do listen and if you haven't done a review before it'd be super awesome if you could do a review on your favorite podcast application if that's not apple anymore well so be it um and, and just let us know that you're still out there listening that'd be awesome okay see you next week bye bye